0: to be the mother of your children, because you are special and amazing, and He has called you and He will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly, and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're chatting with Krista black gifford about how to parent in the midst of pain. Krista shares her story and the things that God taught her in the middle of her early motherhood journey. and. She has a powerful testimony. And I'm going to mention, though, right here at the outset, that it might not be a podcast that you want to listen to with your kids, depending on their age and the kinds of questions that they might ask. So I just want you to keep that in mind as we get started today. Uh, Krista is not only a wife and a mom and an author, but she's also a songwriter and has probably written several well known songs that you've maybe even sung at your church, like the song One Thing Remains or Forever, and she's also written songs for American Idol winner Jordan Sparks, as well as Michael D. Smith, and so many others. So as you can imagine, Krista has a very powerful way with words, and she's going to share some incredible truths in today's episode. But do remember, if you have little ones around or ones that are going to ask some questions about different topics, then it might not be a good episode to listen to with them. But before we get into the episode today, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, PlanToEat.com. If you have not done their free 30-day trial, give it a shot because it makes the whole process of menu planning and grocery shopping and everything infinitely easier. And I know, at least for me... I want to spend as little time in the grocery store as possible and as little time prepping to go to the grocery store as possible. And since Plan to Eat kind of takes all of your recipes and makes a shopping list for you, it makes it so much easier. So go and check them out, plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action. They are my favorite, and I really think they're going to help you simplify your time in the kitchen and the grocery store as well. All right, guys, let's jump into our show today with Krista Black Gifford. Hey, Krista, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm thankful that you're taking time out of your schedule to be on the Inspired to Action podcast today. And I would love to just get started by taking a minute for you to introduce who you are and then a little bit about your family as well. Okay. Well, I'm...
1: Krista Black Gifford. I'm six feet tall. I love long walks on the beach. Literally. I just got back from Hawaii. (laughs) I'm going through withdrawals. Oh, nice. I know. It's so great. I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my family. And I have a four-year-old son named Moses. And uh, our Goldie would have been a little over two. She's in heaven. Birdie just turned one year old. I'm 20 weeks pregnant with my fourth. Congratulations. Thank you. And my stud hub, Lucas, is... um, He's amazing. He's a life coach and I hire him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I half expected you to say his age at that point in time because you kind of gone down <laughs> the little track there. I was just waiting for it. <laughs> well,
1: he's I think he just I don't remember. He's 33 or 34. Isn't it funny when you get in the 30s, you're like, what am I? What yes. are we? I don't know. Yes. It all blends together. <laughs> I totally get that.
0: Um, so you live in Nashville and, and tell us a little bit about what you have done for a living, what you do for a living.
1: Well, I started off in music and um, was a songwriter and toured with a lot of bands over the years. And uh, I was out on the road with the Jonas Brothers in 2009 and had a lot of spare time. And so I thought, well, I'll just start a blog for these girls that we're playing in front of. And so started writing to tell them everything I wish I'd known at 16 to avoid rehab and eating disorders and you know, self-hatred, the, the whole mess. And the blog did well. So then I wrote a book. And when you have a book, people ask you to speak. So I'm an accidental author and speaker.
0: <laughs> I think, Annie, is it Annie Downs that also, I think, calls herself that too? Somebody else calls herself an accidental author. Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
1: Some of us just fell into it. It was definitely destined, but
0: we didn't plan it. So I'm curious, uh, you wrote a blog to write to those 16-year-old girls who attended the Jonas Brothers concerts for the moms listening that maybe have a teenager. Out of all that you've written um, on that blog for girls that age, what is one nugget that you would give that?
1: Well, it was interesting because when I wrote the blog, I had moms pulling me aside in the lobbies of hotels, grandmothers, dads emailing me saying, thank you for writing this stuff to our girls about um, self-hatred, about insecurity, about pain, about numbing pain. You know, we always get surprised when wounded people act wounded. Oh, mm. I can't believe they're acting that way. I can't believe she's acting out. I can't believe she's, you know, she's sleeping with that person. I can't believe she's drinking. Well, of course she is. Her heart's in pain and she, you have to numb pain. If you do not deal with the pain head on, you'll either numb it, ignore it, deny it, and then it'll turn into a midlife crisis or it'll come out at your husband 10 years later. Or, you know, I always tell moms you can never give your kids what you don't have. You have to give them what's inside of you. So, the greatest way to parent, the greatest way for you to become the best version of yourself is for you to actually deal with. With all the years of the insecurity, the emotional instability, the trauma of your childhood, you know, a lot of times we try to pretend like it's not there. Kids are very smart. They, they know, oh, mommy's trying to be strong today. Mommy's trying to put on a good face. You know, at the end of the day, your kids don't remember if you had meals on the table and if the laundry was done. They remember, did mommy bend down and give me her heart Mm -hmm. Did mommy, when I, you know, when I, or for teenagers, when I'm acting out and I'm going crazy, did mom just throw the rules on because she needed to be right? Or did she try to relate to me emotionally? Did she try to go, what's under this behavior? Because there's always something under behavior. Mm -hmm. So I would say the best thing that I gave the moms or or the kids actually, was I started ministering and speaking into their mothers as well to go, hey, your, your daughter who's acting out Usually there's definitely something under there. And if you can get to what's under you and be vulnerable and honest in the home, oh, then she can actually feel vulnerable and honest with you.
0: So I know that there are people listening right now that they're about ready to hit pause because they have so much... um, Stuffed down into them, and they're like, "Wait a second, I think she's right. That's resonating as truth, but it's a terrifying truth." Oh yeah, because they have to go there. They have to go to that place. So, um, I'd love to go talk about like specifics and, and, and hear your story and that sort of thing. But what's just a word of encouragement to that mom who's like afraid to keep listening right now? Well, what's
1: amazing is that um, we we avoid our hearts because of the pain. And the greatest thing that I ever realized, and this is what I talk about in my book, Heart Made Whole— is that the place that I avoided my whole life was the place that God was waiting on the inside of. You know, we go, that's too painful. It's too overwhelming. That pain, I can't deal with it on my own. You never have to deal with it on your own. So I teach people to actually go internally, to connect with themselves, to connect with their pain, not to relive the trauma. I didn't have to relive my sexual abuse to be healed from it. That's not the way. It, God doesn't re-traumatize you to get you healed. That's not the way it works. But I learned to connect with love. I le- learned to connect with the comforter i know i learned to connect deeply with the fullness of perfect love in the midst of my pain where i was ne- never bearing the brunt of the pain, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So people get afraid to go into their heart because they think they have to go in there alone. Don't you dare go in there alone. You'll be so overwhelmed, you'll shut down. <laughs> it's not your burden. It's not your job to take. But if you can learn how to connect with someone bigger than you, you know, like my my grandfather had a tornado cellar. We grew up in West Texas and I would never go in that tornado cellar because it was so creepy and murdery. But whenever <laughs> it was like the, you know, the one lone light bulb, <laughs> swinging from <laughs> yes. the ceiling yes. but when he would come hold my hand and I would start with him then that place wasn't very scary anymore because he turned on the light and he killed the spiders so for somebody's heart that they've spent and, and honestly this is 99.9% of people they've spent the majority of their life trying to hide what's inside of them I mean that's what we learn to do hide it because you won't be loved you know numb it because you won't be loved if anybody sees this about me I'll be rejected so we, we, we numb it we hide it we ignore it But when you learn to connect with perfect love first and you realize, oh, I'm already loved in this place, then it doesn't get it's not scary to actually go down there because you don't have to do the heavy lifting.
0: That's so good. So you have a story. And you talked a little bit about Goldie when you introduced yourself. Um, And I know you have an older son as well. And so you have definitely, definitely parented through pain. Oh, yes. I'd love for you just to bring us in a little bit on that journey and then how you started the process of walking through that.
1: Yeah. When my daughter Goldie died of a condition called anencephaly, she died at birth. I was full term and uh, she didn't have her skull in the top of her brain. So she lived for 40 minutes. I had a two-year-old son who needed me not only to keep him alive, but also needed me emotionally. and. At that point, I remember my, my mom's a marriage and family therapist. She runs a healing center in Texas called Gold Monarch Healing Center. She's been a huge portion of my healing journey. But I remember my mom, you know, you don't know what to do. You have a baby that just died. And you're like, do, what do we tell Moses? Do we let him see the body? Do we, is that going to traumatize him? And my mom said, you know, it's really important in a lot of European cultures. They bring the child in so that they can actually see the body, meet the baby. You can talk a little bit about death. You can, otherwise you're going to pretend all of a sudden you went from, I'm having a baby to there's no baby and mommy's sat all the time. And so that's going to bring some good closure. So what was amazing is we brought Moses in and I was a mess. And of course I was, I'd lost my daughter. So what was amazing with that journey, instead of trying to give my son something I didn't have, you know, a lot of parents go, I need to be strong for my child. Well, you can't be if you're strong for your child, you're denying the existence of your pain and your child is going to feel it because it will come out in all sorts of other ways down the road. They're, they're not fools. They feel everything. So what I would do, I'd go, hey, Bubby, come here, Mo. Here's, here, here's Luca. Here's her body. Here's your dead sister. Mommy's heart is broken. Can we cry together? And he didn't understand a lot of it, but I never tried to give him something I didn't have. I'd always give him the reality of my heart. And you know what's amazing? My son is so emotionally aware now because of it. Mm -hmm. He didn't go, oh, mom faked it. Mom tried to act like, you know, something that she wasn't. I always gave him my heart. And I went, here's my heart today. It's so broken. Can we pray right now? Can we ask God to, would you put your hand on my heart, Moses? How do you feel today? Do you feel good? Mommy needs some of that. Can you put your hand on my heart and pray for me? And I brought him into the reality of the, the, the vulnerability of the fact that I had, my heart had been through a bomb blast. And because of it, that kid is so emotionally aware now because of it, because I didn't fake it. I gave him the honest me.
0: It almost, as you were sharing that, I um, I just kind of envisioned when you're telling the story about your grandfather and taking his hand and going into that tornado shelter, I, I kind of just pictured you taking your son's hand. And so you're still scared kind of going yes. down, but you're taking him with you to the father in the midst yes. of all the pain.
1: That's really good. Yeah. And he, you know, he didn't have full understanding of it, but, you know, kids, they are so they they came from heaven they're the closest thing to heaven that we see he started hearing from god like you would not believe because i may i mean heaven gets very close in death God gets very close. People shut off their hearts because they put God on trial when they go through trials. And man, I needed a comforter. I needed a healer. I needed, if I cut my heart off from God, I was going to shut my heart off from the medicine that was going to heal me. And so bringing Moses into that, go, what is God saying? Do you hear? Do you hear Holy Spirit right now? What is he saying to you? He would give me words that would rock my world. You know, he, even with my pregnancy right now, we taught him in that time that heaven is real and death isn't scary. Death is a place that you go after. Goldie's real. His sister's there. He gets to meet her someday. We brought him into all of that. And so when I was pregnant, now that I'm pregnant with our fourth child, he ran up to me three months ago and he said, mommy, this is before we knew gender. He said, mommy, I was just talking to Jesus. And he told me, Baby is a girl and her name is Joy. And I said, Well, Moses, do you know that that's my middle name? He said, No, it's her middle name. Jesus just told me. And so we're naming her Luca Joy after her sister. Goldie's name was Luca Gold. We called her Goldie. And so now we have a Luca Joy. But the death, the honesty that we brought him into, and the fact that heaven is real and it's not scary and death is this place that we get to actually you know, kind of graduate. And there's no pain there. He is so spiritually aware because we did not fake it. Mm-hmm. And we brought
0: him into the reality of the truth of heaven is for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know that in our pain, often the first response is just to blame God. Did you go through that yeah. process? And um, just, I'd love to, to hear your your thoughts on that.
1: You know, I used to. Um, I My story, I talk about it in my first book, God Loves Ugly, but I'd My first memory outside of the home was sexual. Of course, that pain led me to numb it through lots of things, performance, drugs, alcohol, boys, then you get saved, and then the Christian drug, food, you know, Mm -hmm. so eating disorders, all of that. And uh, I always would kind of put God on trial. Like, if you're really good, why? You know, why didn't you protect me? And how did all these things happen? And what was amazing is before Goldie died— Um, My marriage was falling apart. We were living in Los Angeles. I was in full-time ministry. And my inner pain, my inner world, you know, I always say the condition of your heart determines the condition of your life. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your inner realm, guard your heart, because it determines the course of your life, the content of your life. So, I kept getting rejected. I kept having all these massive failures. I kept having sexual dysfunction because you cannot be sexually abused and not have sexual dysfunction. And I thought marriage was going to fix it all. Ha, ha, ha. No, it just escalates everything. So my husband and I made the decision, and most people don't do this. It's funny to me. If your body's sick, there's no shame to go to the doctor. But if your heart is sick, we get so embarrassed to go get help. And yet it is the most important part of your life. In fact, I believe your body follows your heart in many aspects. Dr. Caroline Leaf says your toxic thinking causes 75 to 95% of illnesses, Mm. which is crazy. So we went, all right, let's put our stuff in storage. We We moved to Texas. We moved to be around my mom to get inner healing. And what was great is Three months before Goldie died, we started getting healing from the things that we've been so angry at God about, so bitter at him, a lot of the trauma that was still lodged emotionally in my heart as a fully saved person. And when she died, I'd been building capacity in relationship with This God that was real to where when she died for the first time in my life, I didn't blame him. I went, I'm looking at the fingerprints of this situation. This is the sin and the death that you came to overcome, Jesus. You, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the leper. He cast out the demons. My God's a creator. He's not a baby killer. So I had been building such relationship with God before she died that when she died for the first time I knew if I put you on the other side of the wall if I blame you I literally will poison my heart to death because I have to have love close you're the only healer I can't heal myself so I charged towards my pain I mean, like David charging towards Goliath, like, no, I will run into this pain because I know, God, that you are waiting for me in the middle of my broken heart. And that's what began every moment of my transformation.
0: I love that. So for the the mom listening right now, and she's maybe going through that very pain and she wasn't necessarily prepared for it. Uh, as you were kind of in your journey, you know, building that capacity, and then the pain Mm -hmm. came, but it kind of blindsided her, and she's struggling, you know, she she jives with what you just said, but in in her reality, that's not what she's feeling. How would you, what would you say to someone trying to walk through that simultaneously?
1: Well, you know, I really am excited about kind of educating the body of Christ about the intentionality of the heart, because we all want to change, but a lot of times we don't want to do the work. You know, you can't go, I want to change my body and not change and not go to the gym and not change the fact that you're eating four Whoppers a week, like whatever it is, you know, you got to put in the work. So the intentionality that you put into your heart absolutely will pay off for you. But most people don't want to go there. So the first thing I would say is you have to start prioritizing your heart because Jesus prioritized it. You know, Isaiah 61 was the prophecy of the coming Messiah. Why is he coming? He's come to bind up the broken heart first and proclaim freedom for the prisoner. So many of us try to find freedom before we've let him bind up our broken hearts and there are so many good resources I mean is my book a good resource? Heck yeah I know what I'm talking about so and I'm am I trying to sell a book? Yes, I know it works. I mean I absolutely know it works Heart made whole works but you have to people read the book and then at the end of each chapter is your turn this is your open heart surgery section So we you know people go to church, And they think it's going to change them. Man, if 52 sermons a year changed you, we would look different than the bleeding mess than we've become, you Mm -hmm. know? It is not what you learn. It's about taking it and applying it to your day tomorrow. So there are such good tools that you can learn to be intentional with your heart and and move towards intimacy, but it's not going to happen on its own. The first thing is intentionality.
0: Um, so tell us a little bit more about your book and kind of what it walks people through and then maybe where they can get it.
1: I would definitely want to say, um, not everybody's ready for my book. It needs to have a warning label on the front of it that's, (laughs) (laughs) that says warning. If you read this, it will uncover and unearth everything that you've spent your entire lifetime trying to hide. Um, it is a unzip the chest learn how to connect with Holy Spirit and walk into the places of your heart that you have fought desperately to try to ignore and so um, I I think the you know the first commandment in Matthew 22:37 it's love the Lord God with all your not works not church service not parenting it's your heart and most Christians have no idea what their heart is I didn't I was in full-time ministry so I go through an in-depth biblical look at the heart of what it is, so that you can finally begin understanding yourself, then go into, hey, this is probably what's in your heart. Your heart biblically is your soul and your spirit. So your spirit portion, people, they go into denial. God has not given me a spirit of fear, so I'm going to pretend like I'm not in fear. Well, no, your spirit portion is complete in your heart, but your soul portion has lived in a fallen world that's been busted by pain by people, by wounded people, and you got to learn to go into the spirit portion of your heart and begin ministering to the soul portion, but you can't do that unless you connect with yourself. So most people, they go, I can't hear God, I can't feel God, I I don't know where He is, and I always say, oh, well, that's easy. It's because you've avoided yourself. Mm -hmm. He lives in you, so you can't hear Him and feel Him because you can't hear, feel you because you've shut down your heart because it's too painful. So I teach people how to it's not scary. When you realize that he's waiting for you in the middle of it, it's not scary to go in there. So to live a heart-based lifestyle, you can get it anywhere books are sold. It's in all bookstores. You can go to my website. It's Kristablack.com and um, I've got a lot of links on there and yeah, Amazon, you know, Barnes and Noble, all the Christian bookstores. So
0: it's everywhere. <laughs> so give us a little vision of how this can impact our lives. What's it going to look like on the other side if we do that hard work of reading the book that's going to be open heart surgery for us of stepping into the pain? What, what's what's waiting for us on the other side of all that?
1: Well, I did like a launch team and about 400 um, – m- 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 oh, gosh, I can't talk. Prager brain. Um, <laughs> mainly women uh, went through, but a lot of men. And, um, I mean, the testimonies are pretty crazy, you know, moms who didn't realize their inner world was creating an atmosphere in their home. And so, I mean, one mom was like, my kids never slept, but once I became at home and at peace with myself, my children started sleeping, um, marriage really, you know, It changes your parenting because, like I said, you're giving your kids every day what it is that you have internally. Not the actions. They know your inner world. They know if mom's in anxiety. They know if mom hates herself. They know they can feel it. It is an electric spiritual field in the home. So when you work on your inner heart first... You have so much to give your kids. You have so much to give your your family, your marriage. You know, I teach people that loving themselves is actually very biblical because the second commandment, which is equal to that, that Greek says it's like unto it, love your neighbor. And then people put a period on it and we go, got to love God, love people, love people. No, the linchpin is love God, love people as you love you. And most people hate themselves because they hate their pain. So when you learn to love you as Christ loved you, you can love God with your whole heart. You can love your family. You can love your church, your community, because we give away what we have. So when you prioritize that first, everything about your life changes because your heart determines everything. Your inner world creates your outer world. So when your inner world is stacked full of the fruits of the spirit that are already within you people ask god all the time give me patience he has it's in the spirit portion of your heart learn to not be spiritually anorexic learn to go in and feast you know once you start charging into your heart realizing god you're waiting for me in here every solution you could ever ever need is waiting on the inside of you
0: so powerful krista Y'all, thank you. Um, you can get her book like she said anywhere. It's called "Heart Made Whole: Turning Your Unhealed Pain into Your Greatest Strength." Krista, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Wow. Well, congrats on the book, and best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspire to Action Podcast.
2: gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet